God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. We're continuing to discuss the three sixes of Revelation 13. And we're at the point where I've laid out that the man of the sixth day is Cain. And uh, looking back even at his name, uh, the, where his mother declared, with the help of the Lord, I have got me a man, so to speak. I have, I have uh, brought forth a man. The number of the beast is the number of a man. The first one called by this designation is Cain. And we saw that in the tension between the man in the sixth day and the man in the seventh day, God, God's declaration that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent will be locked in a struggle that is described as enmity. I will put enmity between your seed, he said to to the serpent, and the seed of the woman. And he will crush your head. So the designation of this conflict is that it will finally be resolved with the crashing of the head of the serpent. But in the process, the heel of the seed of the woman will be bruised. So we know that wherever the two appear, there is going to be this conflict. Now in the initial round of this conflict, a mortal blow was struck at the first person to be defined as righteous uh, following the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Righteous Abel was struck by Cain. As it were, the serpent struck the first blow. We we began to watch the progression uh, into Babylon and the, po- the place and position of Babylon is unmistakable, both in terms of the enslavement of the Jews and the rise of the spirit of Babylon uh, as chronicled in the book of Revelation. In fact, a woman is called the prostitute who sits on many waters and has a name on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. In that designation, we saw how Babylon was founded by Nimrod, a hunter, and the presumption is a hunter of men, one who entraps men, Babylon being one of five cities established on the plains of Shinar by Nimrod. Probably the greatest name in all of Babylon 
was the name Nebuchadnezzar, who was warned about his pride, but in spite of being warned in a dream about his pride in the form of a vision in which Nebuchadnezzar was cast as this tree that reached to the heavens and then was cut down, but room and space and time was made for him to repent. In spite of being warned ahead of time by Daniel agreeing that this was the word from God, Nebuchadnezzar nevertheless fell into this spirit of pride and in fact when he was walking on the parapet of his mighty mighty palace, one of the wonders of the ancient world, he said, I have done all of this with my own hands. It seemed like the entrapment in this spirit of hubris, spirit of pride, could not, he could not escape. Now, the spirit of pride is the spirit of Satan. As you will recall, scriptures say, lest being lifted up in pride, you fall into the condemnation of the devil. We saw additionally where Nebuchadnezzar, as the very expression of this hubris, this prideful um, display of his own narcissistic view of his accomplishments, was registered in his alter ego, a great image of gold, and uh, which was sixty cubits high by six cubits wide, and to which Nebuchadnezzar required everyone to bow, not as a god of Babylon, but as the alter eagle of Nebuchadnezzar himself. So we saw the thing that God warned Nebuchadnezzar about being first put on display by Nebuchadnezzar even before the warning was was given. We know that this spirit of pride and of self-sufficiency that began in Babylon with the building of a tower to the heavens uh, that elicited really the wrath of God to disperse the dwellers in the plains of Shinar and to confuse their language, hence giving rise to the term Babel and the kingdom with a headquarters known as Babylon, was, was born out of this hubris, born out of this pride. But it reached, as I said, it reached its quintessential reference point when Nebuchadnezzar became the king and was overthrown in his pride. The symbol of his pride was an image of two sixes, sixty and six. But I want to step back and tie down with absolute certainty the first assertion that Cain, this whose name means a man, with the help of the Lord I have produced a man, who gives the designation of the three sixes as the number of a man, and who works out of the economy of the sixth day, 
and is angry that his version of righteousness is not acceptable, but lives out of the fear of provision and protection, lives in the economy of the sixth day, lives by the sweat of his brow. Clearly that and that is rejected by God in favor of one who clothes himself in the blood of a lamb. But here it is, in 1 John chapter 2. Now the context of 1 John chapter 2 is little children, verse 18, it is the last hour and you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. He describes Antichrist as having at one point, having had a sort of connection to the body of Christ in the fashion in which Cain had a connection uh, to the things of God through his father, uh, Adam. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us." In other words, it's sort of like oil and water. They may exist in the same medium, but they remain distinct for the entire time that they would be uh, in in this sort of uh, positional fellowship not unlike tares and wheat, sheep and goats. So inevitably there is to be a great falling away by which this man of lawlessness will be revealed. This great falling away is like unto the 17th chapter of the book of Revelation that describes a harlot who pretends to be the bride. So this idea of righteousness, the sons of righteousness and sons of of evil, the, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent, the sons of God, the sons of men, together, that whole nexus together, that's well documented in the Scriptures. It'll be like that hence the warning not to be deceived because the the sons of Satan in their war with the sons of God really want to be thought of as the sons of God. That's exactly what took over uh, this angel in the first place when Satan was before the throne, his dispute with God was about who the heirs ought to be. Hence scriptures repeatedly speak of this, did God at any time ever say to the angels, you are my son, today have I begotten you. All of the behaviors of Satan are the ways that a servant pretends that he is a son. 
But a slave can never inherit because a slave is property. A son is truly the heir. It's the same principle that separates between Ishmael and Isaac. And in fact, this analogy is used in the book of Galatians, uh, the third chapter, to distinguish between those who are the sons of the slave woman and the son of the free woman. A slave cannot be an heir because before he is anything, even while he is in his mother's womb, he is the property of his father. You cannot morph from being property of another to being a son without actually first being set free by your father. And there's no evidence that uh, Ishmael was set free by Abraham. He remained the property of Abraham, though God has mercy on him, but it was his standing as a slave before his standing as a son. Standing as a slave preceded his standing as a son inasmuch as whatever was in his mother who was a slave was already the property of the owner of his mother who, was, who happened indeed to be Abraham the father. Now, so in the progression forward, the, this tension between the sons of God and the sons of, of Satan. In fact, when God said, I will put enmity between your seed and, and the seed of the woman, He was merely acknowledging that because the serpent had previously argued with God about his right to be an heir, that the serpent was always going to be insistent that he and his progeny would be the heirs. And the progeny, of course, would be those who are fathered by his spirit in the earth, meaning human beings born of man and woman who would be infused with the spirit of Satan to contend with the spirit of God. So God wasn't arbitrarily saying, well, look, from now on there will be conflict between uh, the sons of God and the sons of Satan. He's not arbitrarily doing that. Much like he said to man, by the sweat of your brow you will eat bread, he's not, he's not declaring to man that God ordained that man should live by the sweat of his brow, he's simply saying, the choice you have made will continue to be evident in your priorities and therefore in the way you live. So he was saying the same thing to Satan, who had already contended with God over the issue of whether he was the heir or whether man was the heir. Well, much of this is unpacked for us or sealed up in, uh, in the book of, of Hebrews, which says in chapters 1 and 2, uh, God now speaks through Son and then says, to which of the angels did he at any time say, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. Or, uh, but to the son he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations 
for your inheritance. I'll give you the ends of the earth for your possession. So there was always a distinction between the sons of God and the the sons of Satan, the offspring of God and the offspring of Satan. And it was an endemic condition where there would always be conflict between the two, but the conflict would be resolved. God decreed it so initially, namely that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, meaning it would rule over him and and in fact eventually when the matters of final judgment were rendered, God would destroy the beast and all who are described as being under his hegemonic rule. So that was to continue. Now, he's speaking here of Antichrist. John is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Antichrist. This is not a benign suggestion. Anti means against, opposed to. And when you layer that over, or when you layer on top of that, the the prior prophecy that the seed of the serpent, that God would put enmity between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, Antichrist is simply a framing again of this concept, that's why there are many antichrists. But eventually there would be an expression of antichrist that is that personifies this struggle, that takes the lead as it were. And there has always been that in all of the progressions designated by the number six the number of a man throughout the scriptures. So starting here in 1 John 2, he talks about Antichrist and says that they were among us though they were never of us. Again, it shows you how the enemy wishes to conflate his position with that of being the sons of God. That's the point I wanted to make. this is always going to be an enactment arising within a religious context, always. That is why the initial conflict arose between two brothers in the context of offering sacrifices to God. So when when the final expression of this comes about in the form of a kingdom with seven heads and ten horns, on one of the seven heads a horn appears speaking blasphemous things against the Most High, against the dwellers in heaven and opposes the saints because the fight continues to be that of who are the true heirs. And although God had spoken on this matter, both in heaven and on earth, 
it did not quell the desire in the heart of Satan to be considered the heir, nor did it set aside his, his assumption that his position conferred on him the rightful title of being the heirs of God. Though God had repeatedly said, I didn't make you to be a son, I made you to be a servant. All angels are ministering servants. But whenever this man arises, whether it's Cain, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, and whether it is the, the blasphemous, the mouth that speaks blasphemous things, whenever this man arises, he's going to assert a claim to being either the rightful heir of God or, or the truth in the opposition to God. When, when he appears in the garden, as we said in some of the earlier broadcasts, his direct attack was upon what God had said, twisting and distorting the expression, every tree of the garden. And he uses as his primary weapon provision and protection because he understands that the human soul is obsessed with provision and protection. This was the thing that was evident the moment man sinned. He clothed himself and he hid. Clothing being the early form of provision for himself and hiding being his protection. So he knows that. So there's a conflation of elements that is seen, a conflation that is seen consistently throughout this whole process. The overlay of religion and a religious claim and the enforcement methodologies by the sweat of your brow. Truly the man in, in the economy of the sixth day claiming to be the Son of God. That's why he would bring the fruit of his toil as an appropriate offering to God. Whoever is among the saints can be distinguished from the saints in the sense of tares and wheat. Ultimately, tares have no substance in the head, so they remain erect all the way up until the time of the harvest whereas the wheat will bow with the weight of the grain in the head and can be distinguished on that basis from the tares. But it's all about this religious obsession supported by the, the, the fear of provision and protection. That's, those two things mark out everything that Satan has put on the earth that has entrapped mankind. The claim to being the legitimate sons of God and an environment which becomes systemic, an environment that depends upon the sweat of your brow. Those two things will always mark out the false from the true. So the spirit of Antichrist is revealed in, this, in that regard. 
those who went out from among us, uh, but they were not of us. Now, I want to get to this. Having, having begun with the discussion in chapter 2 of 1 John, he now moves to going forward into chapter 3, starting about verse 6. Whoever abides in Christ does not sin. Whoever sins has not seen him, neither knows him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He who does righteousness is righteous, even as Christ is righteous, and he that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God was made manifest or revealed that he should destroy the works of the devil. Now he goes on to say in verse 10, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. In this principle, righteousness versus unrighteousness. Whoever does not, whoever does not do righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves, neither is the one who does not love his brother. Now, here it comes. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. At the beginning when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. This is the message you heard, this is the new commandment. Even so, you should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. What are the designations of Cain? Of the wicked one. What is the context? Whoever does uh, righteousness is of God, and whoever does evil are children of the devil. The first one identified as a child of the devil and identified by the identifying mark that if you love God, you will love your brother. If you don't love God, you'll hate your brother. If you hate your brother, you're a child of the devil. What does child of the devil mean? Can we put in there, seed of the serpent? If we can't, why not? What other explanation do you have? The first one called a son of Satan, seed of the serpent is Cain, identified as the one who slew his brother. In the context of Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, that which opposes Christ, fulfilling the mandate, I'll put enmity, I'll acknowledge the enmity in your claim against the sons of God. 
When I didn't make you to be a son, I made you to be a servant of the sons. And what was his presentation? The fruit of his labor. What was his hope? To be accepted while he was living unrighteously, while he did that which was unrighteous. Therefore, there is no equivocation. The first six is Cain. I'm Sam Solon. We'll summarize this as we go forward, as we launch into chapter 14 of the book of Revelation. Join me then.